Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, a promo for the last first Tuesday. Yes, the last first Tuesday. My distinguished guest, Joanna Klonsky, knows what it's like to start a show and then have to end a show. Okay, Girl Talk, famous show back in the day. You know, they have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Everything has to come to an end sooner or later, ladies and gentlemen. Maya Dukmasov and I said, I don't know if we have the energy to do this anymore. (laughs) I'm tired. So this coming Tuesday at Nighthawk, we're going to have a farewell first Tuesday. I want everybody to be there. Okay, the great legendary Mick Dumkey will be there. My partner in crime, my original partner in crime for First Tuesday. I believe Joanna Klonsky was at that first First Tuesday uh, way back in 2014. Uh, So she was there. So maybe she'll be at the last First Tuesday as well. And you know what? Maybe it won't be the last First Tuesday. Okay, maybe we'll just say it's the last First Tuesday. And then like Michael Jeffrey Jordan will go, I'm back or we're back. Okay, but for the moment, it's like uh, Maya and I are going to go retire from first Tuesday and play minor league baseball for the White Sox. So anyway, it's first Tuesday. It's this coming Tuesday uh, at Nighthawk. Cool bar at Kimball and Lawrence. Love that place. Show up. Say hi. Listen to Maya, Mick and I talk about old, great first Tuesdays. Ben Jarofsky show for this Friday, December 1st starts now. On today's episode, returning for Oh, What a Week, communications consultant and verified Bulls fan, Joanna Klonsky. The Ben Jarofsky show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what the best shows are in town that you want to not miss out on, then you need to head to chicagoreader.com. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, he's there too. Just head to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-B is in victory, S-K-Y. I say to a Bulls fan, I ask every guest that. No, Some no. of them are like, oh, I'm, I'm a niche fan. I'm legit. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this the gift that keeps giving Friday. And here's why. Actually, it's over a week. And Joanna Klotsky, political strategist and old friend of Ben Jarofsky, is on the line, ready to talk some uh, weekly news. Uh, but first, I just got a riff. The Ed Burke trial, uh, Alderman Ed Burke, uh, the uh, band that uh, Mayor Rahm and Mayor Daly thought was a good idea to put in charge of finance committee. You know that, Ed Burke? Uh, his trial is just providing me with so much entertaining news. There's so much horror in the world today, ladies and gentlemen. So much slaughter, so much carnage, so much just Henry Kissinger. Okay, I had to think about him out of nowhere again. You know, I had thought about that nightmare for a while. Just so much horror in the world. But then there's Ed Burke. It's just like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying, Chicago? You're providing me more comic relief. This guy was the chair of the finance committee. This is pause and think about it. From 89 until, oh, I know Joanna Klonsky knows the date, 2019. She's so happy because the one thing we agree on about Lori Lightfoot, beyond doubt, the one thing we agree on, she did a good job of getting rid of Ed Burke. Lori Lightfoot was like Matumbo, and Ed Burke came in the lane. She, Get out of here with that. Anyway, this, this, the, the, First of all, the Sun-Times, thank you for the coverage. But you guys continue to make me smile out loud. You're so happy to put the F word in your paper, but you don't want to say the F word. It's like, come on, guys, you could do it. Sometimes I'm going to tell you something. This is the honest truth. Everyone uses the F word. They actually use the actual word. You're not protecting anybody when you write F dash dash dash. You know, and I got to tell folks this, 
I grew up in Evanston. Evanston is a genteel, very polite, nice North Shore suburb. I didn't know what F word was. I I didn't. I mean, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what is that F word. I have to call my friends from Gary. You know, some like blue collar town. Explain to me what an F word is. Anyway, it's the F bomb. He actually said it. Uh, here's a quote uh, from Ed Burke and his trial. As far as I'm concerned, they can go fuck themselves. Yes, that's your guy. That's your guy, Mayor Rahm. That's your guy, Mayor Daly. Uh, and, and in uh, yesterday's trial, they played tapes of Ed Burke conniving with Danny Solis, another old friend of mine, <laughs> former guest at First Tuesday, I'd like to add. I think Joanna Klonsky was at that show, too. Rick Munoz was on the stage with him. How about that, Joanna? Just think about that. <laughs> Rick Munoz and Danny Solis. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, so uh, Ed Burke showed a little bit of poetry and a little bit of philosophy uh, uh, yesterday uh, on the um, uh, on the stand. So so they were talking about they're shaking down. Uh, they're conniving to shake down some developer who wants to build, redevelop the old post office. And uh, the terms of the deal is Burke will greenlight the project, get him TIF money, get everything he needs uh, if. Uh, the developer hires Burke's property tax appeal business, okay, to get him lower taxes. I'm telling you right now, man, what a shakedown that is. Joanna Klonsky herself and I could form a property tax appeal business and do just as good a job as Ed Burke. You don't have to be Earl Warren to run a property tax appeal business, ladies and gentlemen. You just have to handle basic math. All right. Anyway, uh, so when asked if uh, the uh, developer was going to hire him, uh, when told that developer, when Solis told Burke that developer might hire him, Burke responded, "Did we land the tuna?" That's <laughs> speaking in metaphors. He's a poet. Good God, I didn't know he reelected him. Maybe that's why Rahm appointed him a finance chair because he's such a good poet. And finally, there's a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of philosophy for Fred Burke. You didn't know he was a philosopher, did you, ladies and gentlemen? No, oh, he's a poet and a philosopher. So when uh, uh, told that. Um, that uh, the developer was about to hire him, Burke pointed out he was still skeptical, skeptical. And he said, quote, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, then every day would be Christmas. Man, what insights. God, he's, what a philosopher, Ed Burke. Maybe that's why Daly hired him, because they like to sit around him and talk philosophy. Let's talk a little uh, Spinoza, okay? What do you, what's your thoughts on Spinoza? Can you imagine Daly and Burke talking Spinoza? They probably thought Spinoza was a developer. Hey, can we shake him down for tip money? All right, without further ado, political strategist Joanna Klonsky is going to come on and give her thoughts on Ed Burke. And before I bring her on, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to give her a shout-out. Joanna is playing in pain today. She's not Zach Levine. Oh, no, she's, a, she's AC, okay? She's Caruso. Go with the bull stuff. She's been battling COVID. She's got her tea. She's got her water. She's got a time limit on the show because she's going to just start coughing any minute. So a lot of love for Joanna Klonsky, uh playing in pain today for Ben Jarofsky, uh, the podcast. So thank you very much, Joanna. You're going to get through this okay? Only only for you, Ben, would I do this. But okay. <laughs> if I start hacking, I apologize to your listeners. That's not going to be a pleasant sound. I'll try to hit the mute button quickly. I yes. got my tea cup here. So. I'm here. I have something else to say. We cannot start a property tax appeals firm, Ben Jarofsky. First of all, you said it's just an issue of simple math. Well, guess what? I cannot do simple math. (laughs) I'm a communications person, not a math person. So you're going to have to find a new partner in your property tax business. It ain't me. All right. Hey, Mick Dumpke, let's go into business together. Maya, (laughs) come on. We got a lot of time. We're not doing First Tuesday anymore. (laughs) All right. Wow. By by the way, do you remember the first First Tuesday show? You were there. You know, uh, but I've been to so many First Tuesdays. I don't know which one was first. Okay. So the first First Tuesday show, get ready for this lineup. <laughs> uh, Richard Mel. Oh, yeah. Broco Joe Moreno. Was so random. And Scott Wagasback. I was there. You were there because your Scott was your client. Yeah. And uh, I remember you in the uh, sitting on the, you were standing on the side, like shaking your head in disbelief at Mel. <laughs> I always like to stand on the side at the hideout. I, I don't remember that show that well. That's a long time ago. Yeah, it was. Almost 10 years ago. But I was there. I can you, confirm I was there. You were there. Your dad was so mad, he walked out. Or maybe it was your uncle. I can't remember. One of them walked out. Yeah, Mel. Ancient rivalries in the 33rd Ward. Man. 
Uh, all right, Joanna, thoughts on Ed Burke and his trial? Okay, well, first of all, I never thought we'd see the day this trial was even happening because the man's been indicted for four years and they couldn't get around to actually getting the trial going. Um, then there's been a bunch of other delays. COVID's delayed it like several times. There was, for some reason, there are therapy dogs involved in this trial and the dog ate something out of a juror's purse and got sick. Delayed. I'm like, okay, is this just Mad Libs now? Or are we just making up new things? Um, maybe one day Ed Burke will be convicted and go to jail, but it might be like 10 years from now. So this is like the longest trial in history. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Today's update, which I texted you before the show, really cracked me up. So let me share this with your listening audience. Mm -hmm. According to a tweet from Jason Meisner, Tribune reporter, one of Ed Burke's jurors apparently fell asleep watching The Golden Bachelor last night. <laughs> and when she was when she rewatched the recording, she briefly saw a news tease with Burke's picture and the word mistrial. Quote, I don't even know what The Golden Bachelor is, Judge Kendall says. So that was the big uh, dust up of the morning. Doesn't sound like that juror had to be, you know, done away with. It sounds like they let it go. But you got to be careful out here in these streets when you're watching The Golden Bachelor. Yeah, you never that and and, and let me whole federal trial. We uh dealt with this yesterday, so let me just take a moment to uh go through, through this again. This is just one of the uh, only in Chicago moments. No, it's not true. Uh, actually, we were talking to a, a trial attorney, uh, Jim Coogan, yesterday about the uh, the Burke trial and tying and and comparing it to the Trump trials and the efforts by lawyers to get their clients off. And yeah. so the lead article. The lead in the article in the Sun-Times about the trial talked about, quote, the corruption, the federal corruption trial of Ed Burke. Okay, that's what it is. It's a federal corruption trial. It's literally a trial in which he is dealing with allegations of corruption. So when uh, the prosecutor asked a witness what how, how she would characterize Ed Burke's behavior, the witness said it's corrupt. And then Burke's lawyer moved for a mistrial. I'm like, what? The? It's a corruption trial. What we're talking about here. Yes. That's yeah. straight up Orwell. It's straight up Orwell. And uh, the judge had to take it serious because Ed Burke's got enough money, Joanna, to file an appeal. So it, the judge had to take it serious. If it was just any old schmo at Cook County, you think? That judge would ask for each attorney to put a motion in on whether there should be a miss. I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? So you get the justice you pay for, I guess. What I think is important about the Burke trial, it, it's sort of the th same thing that I think is important about the Madigan trial that's coming up in 2024. I'm old enough to remember. I know you are. I don't know, five years ago when the concept of Ed Burke stand, st standing trial for corruption you would have been laughed out of the room. You know, he seemed so invincible, so omnipotent. And everybody thought and would say, well, he's just, he's so smart. He's so crafty. He would never get caught. Everyone knew, knew he was corrupt, but he would never get caught. And it's the same thing they would say about Madigan. Madigan's too smart. He would never get, he would never get uh, caught. They could never catch him. They could never try him. They could never charge him. Okay, well, let's just keep this lesson in mind going forward. Chicago and Illinois politics people, who else do you think that about? Because it's probably not true. How about that? All right. So let me ask you this question. As a media strategist and a political strategist, dealing, uh, you deal with every reporter in town. They're on your Rolodex or phone or whatever they call it. These days. Not a Rolodex. No, no one has a Rolodex anymore. <laughs> Even I don't have a Rolodex. Uh, your metaphorical Rolodex. All right. Why do reporters spend so much time promoting Ed Burke as a political genius. When Scotty Wagesback came in and did the same job that Ed Burke did running finance uh, and uh, uh, Pat Dowell is doing it right now for Brandon Johnson. Okay. So I, I will say there's no slippage. <laughs> if you're going to be an objective observer of how the finance committee operates in the city of Chicago, you cannot detect any slippage from Ed Burke to Scotty Wagesback to Pat Dow. And yet the media presents Ed Burke like as a 
brilliant, brilliant overseer of our city's finances. What is going on there, Joanna? What is the game that's being played there? Yeah, I think it's an important question, which is the role that our local press plays in creating the mystique um, or this air of like omnipotence or, or impenetrability of these politicians. Um, I, I think they absolutely played a role in creating that image. And Ed Burke knew how to work the press. Uh, and so he did for himself for many years. But it's not like everyone didn't know there was a problem with the way he was running finance committee. I mean, it was it was visible to the naked eye. Anybody who works in or around city council experienced it, saw it firsthand. And so, um, I, again, this is just part of the, the question even, and I think it's the same treatment that Madigan got, you know, even the nicknames that they got, like, oh, the velvet hammer, like that kind of stuff. It all, it all, or this, this whole thing that he's the, that Madigan was the Wizard of Oz, which by the way, like, does anyone actually remember that the Wizard of Oz wasn't really a Wizard of Oz? Okay. These, these, um, the lore around these people that, yes, is reinforced sometimes by the reporters covering them, um, is part of the problem and it needs to be cut down. And so, like, yeah, I would just say, I think we have to, if we take nothing else away from the, those two trials, the experience of this stuff, we've got to remember that these guys, none of these guys are geniuses. They're all just guys. They're all just people. They make mistakes. They overstep. And they'll probably get caught if they do that. Um, and so I think there were a lot of decades there where there was no accountability. Obviously, that moment has passed. So hopefully people are watching that. Hopefully Chicago aldermen are watching that in particular and going, okay, time to tighten up. I will say what you said about, you know, Scott Wagstaff, Pat Dell are still able to run the finance committee. There was nothing singular or unique to Ed Burke being able to run the finance committee. I think that's true. I would also say when Scott took over the finance committee, I mean, I'm sure he's come on the show and talked about it. There was a lot of cleaning up to do, actually. It was kind of a mess. It wasn't actually being run well. It wasn't actually being run competently. Nobody really dug to find out the details of that until the indictment. Um, but, you know, when he came in, I know that they had to go through all sorts of stuff that was just like disorganized and chaotic and, and didn't make any sense. Um, which I'm sure he's talked, he, he has talked about, and I'm sure he'll come on and talk about more, but I think that that cleanup shows he wasn't actually like some running the finance committee doesn't require a genius. It requires somebody who can like do the basic tasks of finance committee and do them ethically to make sure you're getting things done appropriately for the taxpayers. Like that's actually all there is to that job, unless you're on the take. Yeah. Unless you're on the take. Which is uh, a big I will... unless. I will read a quote that I took a picture of uh, and sent to a lot of people uh, yesterday. Uh, it was from a uh, very critical article in Rolling Stone about Henry Kissinger. And um, uh, this talked about uh, Henry Kissinger's way of working the press. And when I read this, I thought I had burnt. Mm. Uh, and I, I'm going to say this right now, all the evils and ills of Ed Burke. Do not, I'm just going to make this clear, in my opinion, uh, equate to those of Henry Kissinger, okay? So I just want to say that <laughs> for the record. You're, right? you're not going to sit Shiva for Henry Kissinger, Ben? <laughs> no, I'm not a fan. Here we go. This is from the Rolling Stone. Seymour Hirsch, the investigative reporter who was the most prominent exception to the fawning coverage of Kissinger, watched journalistic deference take shape as soon as Kissinger entered the White House in 1969. Quote, Kissinger's social comings and goings could make or break a Washington party, Hirsch wrote in his biography. Reporters like the Times' James Reston were eager participants in what Hirsch called, quote, an implicit shakedown scheme unquote, that is access journalism, in which reporters who got inside information in turn protected Kissinger by not divulging either the full consequences of his acts or his connection to them. End of quote. Joanne, I'm going to let you calm down a little bit. So you were coughing. Take a sip of water. And again, thank you for coming on the show with uh, at the tail end of your COVID. Uh, your thoughts on how Kissinger played the game with reporters by giving them access in exchange for them covering up his 
sins. I think you're seeing, I think you see the same stuff happen in Illinois all the time. I have seen this on many occasions. We have some great reporters in this town. First of all, I just want to disclaim that. If you think I'm talking, I'm not, if you're worried that I might be talking about you, hopefully I'm not. But there are certainly reporters who um, will take their foot off the gas or let a question go because they're scared of losing access. See it all the time in the city of Chicago and in the state of Illinois. And and then there are those people who just, you know, will go to the mattresses and and will stop at nothing. And so thankfully we have some really dogged and intrepid folks here in Chicago as well. But I think that dynamic that he's describing is a dynamic, and I'm sorry if you're hearing the siren, but I live in the city of Chicago, so it is what it is. Um, I think you're you're describing a, a dynamic that exists as long as there are politicians and political actors like Henry, Henry Kissinger and reporters, there's going to be that um, exchange of power and information that are tied together. So it, it, it's part of what it is. Um, I do think in the end, as, as the uh, Wednesday night Twitter extravaganza of jokes at the expense of the deceased Henry Kissinger shows, at some point, the truth comes out and people start to realize who you are. Uh, one way or the other. You can try to play those games for as long as you want. Sooner or later, it's going to come out. Everybody everybody figured out what Henry Kissinger did in the end. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, uh, it's sort of happening with Ed Burke now. It's interesting. Uh, sometimes having a field day with Ed Burke after having promoted him throughout the 90s and the O's. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it all comes to an end. You know, one thing that made me laugh, Ed Burke was famous for getting up on the floor of city council and expounding and giving these, like, boring history lessons about whatever topic he was interested in that day, wasting everybody's time and taxpayer resources, by the way. Um, but there was also, I think there was also a thing in, in yesterday in the recordings where he does it even in the private shakedown meeting where he's meeting with some developer. He's also like, even in that environment, like giving some history lesson, you know, some spiel. Oh, he gives a spiel explaining the history of the term. We don't want nobody, nobody sense which is like the Chicago corruption cliche, right? Yeah. Uh, that apparently, like, even in the shakedowns, he'd be like, and another thing, let me tell you all about the history of this phrase that you did not ask for a history of. I thought that was hilarious. Just classic, Edward. I'm going to go check that down to see if he got it right. Because that actually <laughs> happens to be a... Uh, I know the history of that phrase. The great Abner Mikva uh, was the one who told Milt Rakoff uh, that anecdote in which that phrase... Uh, is used uh and milt rakoff used it for the title of one of his uh collected books he did collected uh interviews with various political figures in chicago uh and uh, so i'm gonna i'm gonna now you now you got i missed that reference you gotta go listen uh, to the recording i guess yeah i gotta go listen make sure ed burke got it right and then probably like somewhere right after he goes on the rant about the jews and how we only help each other so okay since you mentioned that let me just say this sometimes i'm gonna Faithful reader to Sun Times. I'm not picking on you. All right. I subscribe to your newspaper. Okay. All right. I'm helping support it. Uh, and and WBEZ because it's a joint. The two reporters covering this or they write the story. There's they call that a controversial statement. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm controversial. You know, like it. Oh it was the comment that Burke made on uh, as an explanation why he felt compelled to shake down the developer because the developer who is Jewish would not otherwise go to Ed Burke. This is Ed Burke's vision of the world. He would only go to a Jewish uh, lawyer law firm, which is so bizarre because I've dealt with anti-Semitic remarks about Jewish lawyers. My cause pretty much since I was aware of them, they only come from Gentiles. I never met a Jewish person said, I'm getting a good Jewish lawyer. It's, no, <laughs> I never heard that. Yeah, controversial is the wrong word for to describe that phrase. Yes, disease, maybe bigoted. I don't know. Controversial. Come on, guys, stop pulling punch. You're still right, right. defending them. God damn. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to go there, Joanna. Um, all right, uh, I'm gonna cut down some of the things we're talking about because I'm really uh, appreciate you coming on. I know you got the COVID, so we'll hold off on a George Soros conversation. And I'll just talk. About uh, my bad, Jesus. <laughs> there you go, Ed Burke. Yeah, two different guys. Uh, 
Uh, we'll cut back uh, uh, on the George Santos conversation for another time. Uh, and I want to ask you instead about uh, updated creep report. Uh, Joanna and I used to do creep reports all the time uh, when I was going back to days I was on a radio station. Uh, and that's when um, you would come on. We would talk about men uh, behaving badly. And this is the early days of the Me Too era. And this story exploded about a week ago or so. Uh, Josh Getty of the um, Oklahoma City Thunder uh, basketball player behaving badly. Why don't you take it away and educate uh, my listeners what's going on? Yeah, you know, this This is kind of how this started is that I texted Ben about Josh Giddy from Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, good young player. Uh, seems like he's been dating. He's 21, I think. He's been dating, uh, dating a girl who's underage, possibly 15 years old. So this is under investigation now. It came out because the girl, I think, was posting on Instagram or whatever, you know, selfies of her and her boyfriend, this NBA player. And that's how it started. Um, so now it's under investigation. The question, the controversy became, should Josh Giddy be able to play while this investigation is ongoing? And what has the response of the NBA and of the Thunder been to the controversy, which is basically to shut down, stop, t- not talk about it, not address anything. I'm sure they're worried about legal liability, but he's been playing. Um, while this ongoing investigation is ongoing, it's also under investigation by the local law enforcement now. Um, so it's raised some really interesting questions around, you know, legal age of consent, statutory rape, um, but also around the NBA and its policies around how it handles these kinds of cases. Um, Julie DeCaro, who's a great uh, sports journalist, wrote a great piece in, um, I think it was Deadfriend. Where was that piece that I sent you the other day? Um, that really breaks down the way the NBA handles or mishandles situations like this, of, the, of which there have been quite a few. Not necessarily statutory rape cases, but cases of NBA players engaging in sexual misconduct of some sort or the other, gender-based violence, and the ways in which the NBA falls short. Um, and so, you know, I, I think this case is one, one to watch. It's pretty important. And I also think the NBA has got to get it together. Um, the way that they're handling it and the way that they're communicating it conveys a lack of seriousness. Um, and that they don't understand the importance of making sure that NBA players are not, uh, for example, sleeping with 15-year-old girls. So that's the Josh Giddey situation. What, what's your uh, recommendation uh, to the NBA is how they could handle this better? Well, there's no reason why he should be playing if he's under investigation for uh, what is essentially rape, statutory rape. Uh, he certainly doesn't need to be playing. That's a decision that they've made probably because, you know, people like to watch him play basketball and it, it's, it's, uh, that's, a, it sounds like a money-based decision to me. But what I thought was really interesting about Julia DeCaro is that she connects it to Carl Malone and the history of him, um, who, you know, there's this famous story where he impregnated a 13 year old girl while he was a 20 year old student at Louisiana Tech. Um, it's never been addressed. Carl Malone is still like, you know, this exalted player who's always honored at different NBA all-star, you know, celebrations, all the convenings where you bring all the old timers together, you bring Carl Malone out too. And his quote was, his quotes about it are not denials. He's just like, I'm not going to discuss it. Here's the quote. I'm not discussing any of that. I don't care. That's my personal life. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with that. Like I've had to deal with everything. So whatever, whatever, I'm human. That's how he talked about it. That's his only comment. He never denied it. Um, and so when you when you uh, elevate a guy like Carl Malone, given that history, you send a message to everybody else about mm-hmm. what's okay and what's tolerated and what's even honored. It's not just tolerated, but honored. Um, and so, yes, I think this is sort of a, another piece of that same chain. So let me uh, push back a little bit. If under, you think just being under investigation uh, warrants not being allowed to play or should the investigation be concluded one way or another with a definitive finding? Well, I would like, to, I, I think that he should not be playing while he's under investigation for statutory rape charges. That's a real serious concern. Uh, there's no reason why he should be playing and profiting while this is going on. 
hopefully it'll be found that he didn't do it and it's all a rumor and it's all the internet nonsense. And then, you know, he can get back to the game and I'm sure that he'll sue everybody for saying it. But in the meantime, if you've got somebody who's potentially out here um, dating, and I say that with air quotes in case you can't see me, a 15-year-old girl, an underage girl, you can't act like that is completely fine and he should just be able to continue traveling with the team, going out in the world and on, on the NBA's dime and doing whatever it is that he's doing. Yeah. You've got to show that you're taking that allegation very seriously. Right now, they have not shown that. Uh, and I think, I don't know um, if you uh, remember the Kobe Bryant case I do. where he was on trial for rape in Colorado. And I believe he would, uh, during breaks in the trial over the weekends, he would fly back and play uh, in games. Uh, yeah. So there's a precedent here for how the NBA uh, responds uh, in, uh, to these matters. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I don't have to think about it, Joanna, because... It is a very serious charge, uh, I in both cases. Um, but should he be prevented from playing uh, while he's under investigation? I got to think about that one. Uh, and and you're absolutely correct when you say a lawsuit will be filed. Let's There's say be lawsuits no matter what. Yeah, that's happening. Yeah. Uh, and I got to put aside my personal opinions about they're completely irrelevant. The Oklahoma Thunder, a team I cannot stand. Oh, here, let me just read you the, the quote. And I don't know how to say his name. Uh, Mark Dagnall. Is that how you say his name? The coach? Yeah, the coach. Yeah. Okay. Coach's comment on this. Personal matter. I have no comment on it. Available to play. Will play. No change in status from a basketball standpoint. Still, I have no comment on anything else. Just with the information that we have at this point, that's the decision that we've made. It's not really even a decision. It's really not even a decision, to be honest with you. No, no um, value statement. Obviously, the allegations are very concerning. We take these allegations seriously. That being said, it's the NBA's policy to conclude an investigation before taking any further action. We hope these allegations are found to be not true. Like, there's so much he could have said there. To, and instead, he said none of it. That was a choice unto itself. Yeah. And that sends a very strong message to every player in the NBA and certainly every player on the Thunder. Yeah. And, and oh my goodness, it's a, it's an ideal transition to something else I wanted to ask about, which I had not put on my list and just reminded me um, the uh, the way the Hinsdale uh, high school coach oh, yeah. here in, uh, in Chicago handled it. But before I get to that, which is sort of more humorous than this one, um, y you know, I, I've watched uh, just well, in the NBA and sports in general, coaches approach microphones and questions from reporters when one of their star players gets in trouble and all kinds of trouble. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, allegations of statutory uh, rape, but I'm talking all sexual trouble, car driving while drunk trouble, you know, bad business deal trouble, just people get in trouble. There's just a whole humanity of trouble that someone can get into. And, you know, the coach, he, they, he always approaches it like, uh, you could just see it in his mind. I just want to, I just want this guy to be playing. You know, I just, I just want this guy to be playing and scoring baskets for me or hitting home runs for me or pitching for me or quarterbacking for me you know fill in the blanks for me I, you could see that in his brain joanna but then they're forced to say something other than that you get what i'm saying and yeah. what comes out of their mouths after that is always well i don't know how the team didn't like prep the coach to say something a little more coherent than what he said but i think you're right the hinsdale was it hinsdale south yeah the hinsdale south situation almost the same kind of state his state that coach's statement was even worse so do we need to recap the story Yes, go ahead. This is story. This is, it, it's, I had a laugh out loud. Really uh, shout cool. out to Michael O'Brien and the Chicago Sun-Times dutifully reporting this, uh, the prep reporter uh, for the, the bright one. Go ahead, Joanna. All right. So this kid was a, one of the star players on the team, Brendan, Brendan Savage. He was uh, cut from the team after tryouts. Uh, he filed a federal lawsuit uh, claiming retaliation um, because his family filed a complaint alleging verbal abuse and bullying against the previous coach, Michael Moretti. So that, that player was then basically cut from the team after he 
filed a lot, filed a complaint against the about abuse from the previous coach. When and then, of course, after filing suit, Savage was returned to the team to the lineup of the team as he probably should have been all along. Uh, the suit hasn't been dropped yet, but it seems like they are, you know, they were trying to, the school was trying to avoid this thing from progressing any further. So let me just read you the statement from the coach when I asked about it by the press. Belcaster, a first-year coach, didn't decline to answer questions about Savage after the win against Glenbard South on Tuesday. He acted like he couldn't hear them. The first question of Belcaster was about Friday's game. His answer, quote, we are going to get out and we're going to scout Downers Grove South a little bit more tomorrow. I've already been watching film for weeks ahead. That's sort of what I do. So we're going to take the best play and try to get a win together. So he could hear that first question and he responded to it. Then the reporter says, I asked Belcaster if Savage would be in the rotation Friday and what the team was, what the plan was for working him back into that team. Belcaster cupped his hand around his ear, leaned forward. I asked the question again. He repeated the motion. Then another reporter asked how Savage's integration to the team would go. And Belcaster said he couldn't hear anything and walked away. <laughs> okay, guys, please hire communications professionals when you're in crisis to help you figure out what to do. You can't just pretend you can't hear, especially when you could hear the first question. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. Like, you can say... <laughs> Ongoing litigation. Unfortunately, I can't discuss that. You're going to have to direct your your questions to the school district at this time. Um, obviously, we take these allegations seriously. Um, Mr. Savage is a member of our community, and we value him. Whatever. There's plenty of things you could have said. Pretending that you suddenly have mysteriously lost your hearing is not the answer. Now, I don't blame this high school basketball coach for not being a communications expert, but like, really, guy, that's the best you could do. Kind of ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. It was so absurd. I was laughing out loud. I was reading my bright one the other day and uh, it's just sitting there at the kitchen table laughing out loud. Huh? Hey, for this kid, by the way, he sounds, seems like a stand-up teen. You don't see a lot of stand-up teenage boys ready to take on risk like that. And, you know, no, it, and, it's, so. um, yeah, it's so sure on the face of it seems like uh, the adults are acting like bullies uh and the uh the children or teenagers are they still children when they're teenagers i guess so are acting like responsible adults uh but ju just to pretend like you cannot hear the question is so absurd and so insulting uh it's 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 funny and it reminded me that this is a movie ancient movie that uh, only I would remember the Buddy Holly story uh, and Buddy Holly's uh, agent is negotiating with a concert promoter. And so the terms of the deals aren't favorable. I can't remember who to whom either the concert promoter or the agent or, and I can't remember who it does. It goes, I can't hear you on the phone. I can't hear you. And he bangs the phone on it. I still can't hear you. You know, anyway, it reminded me of the Buddy Holly story. Right. Uh, yeah. So, Listen, this whole show has become a promotion uh, for uh, Joanna Klonsky Services. Uh, Hinsdale South, she's ready to hire Oklahoma City. Uh, she's ready to hire. She just showed you what she can Let's do. Like, you know. uh, all right. No, I, uh, I'm i with you on that one. Uh, I have to think, though, more about suspending a guy. I'll, I'm going to have to go for a walk and think about that. All right. I'm going to uh, close uh, with some delightful Bulls talk. Joanna has some insights on the Bulls, my beloved Chicago Bulls, uh, that I, I want to hear. But before that, I haven't given um, any uh, time in the show to talk about the legacy of, of one of your uh, mentors, uh, and that would be uh, Marilyn Katz. She died, uh, what was it, like two or three weeks ago. Now, I didn't know Marilyn that well uh and a few times she was a publicist and chicago media strategist uh and from time to time i would write something that really upset her uh and particularly when i was writing about daily because she went to work for daily for a while and uh she would call me up and just <laughs> tell me all how i got it wrong and this and that you know blah 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 etc cetera, etc cetera, and so forth and what a character marilyn katz uh why don't you uh, give us some insights into into Marilyn Katz and her legacy in Chicago. Go ahead, Joanna. Sure. Um, Marilyn, I think she died in late October. Um, 
you know, certainly a trailblazer in, in my field of communication strategy and politics, progressive politics. Um, I worked for her when I was first getting my start in this industry. That's, you know, as a communications person, I think back, she died working for her is where I wrote my first press release, my first media advisory, built my first media list. That's where I made my first pitch call to a reporter. It's where I ran my first press conference, which I think featured Chewy Garcia. Uh, and I don't even remember what it was about, something about transportation policy or something. You know, she really, uh, I, I learned a great deal working for her um, and watching her and how she operates in, in this dog-eat-dog world. Um, she was a person who often, you know, stood up for what she believed in, spoke out on all sorts of topics, uh, you know, was a, a trailblazer in, in a number of policy areas and so um, has been eulogized and obituaryized in the major papers and um you know she'll certainly be missed yeah i um the i think the first time i became aware of her so okay she ended up yes more or less a mainstream democrat uh although she was always uh very progressive on foreign policy issues and um mm -hmm. uh, always she was always progressive on foreign yeah. policy issues but on local issues she became more or less became a daily democrat and, um, but I first became aware of her. I was an obsessive kid reading uh, political books, Joanna in the 70s. And uh, Gary Wills, one of the great political writers of our time, uh, wrote a book called Nick Nixon Agonistes. Uh, and he covered, he came to Chicago and he covered, it was a, about the events of 68. He came to town and he covered uh, the Democratic Convention. I also think he covered the Republican Convention. I think that was in Florida. I can't remember exactly where it was. Anyway, uh, and he had these uh, uh, interviews. He did a, like a brief interview with uh, a very young uh, Marilyn Katz, who may have been, I think, 23 at the time, and was already doing press. So she was doing press for the radicals. She was doing press for SDS. And she was the one, she was already a uh, like a media strategist political strategist, but she was working for the far left in those days. And you could tell that Gary Wills was really taken by her. You know what I'm saying? He just, I think he may have made a mini crush on her. I don't know. Just if you go back and read the passage, you tell me what you think, Joanna. Um, but that evolution that she went through, you know what I mean? From being in the, uh, the far left uh, with the, the, the SDS to uh, her days eventually becoming, working with Harold Washington in 1983 and then moving on uh to data that's quite an evolution sure and Look. and and but all throughout i think she tried to maintain a focus on uh affordable housing issues public housing issues i know she was one of the um original spearheaders of the low-income housing tax credit um and you're absolutely right about foreign policy i mean the the famous anti-iraq war rally where you know then uh Senator Obama came and gave his famous uh, opposition to dumb wars speech was organized by Marilyn. Uh, certainly she was um, outspoken on issues that are flaring up now in the Middle East around Israel and Palestine. And so um, I think she'd certainly have a lot to say if she was here on that topic about the need to get to a peaceful resolution that's just and lasting. So. But, but, but before she would get to that, she would spend at least 10 minutes telling me how I was wrong. On some Probably. Article. <laughs> Probably. Uh, some article that ran 30 years ago, which I don't even remember. Okay. Ben, you were wrong. All right. Yeah. You're wrong. You're just wrong. Okay. Okay. Yes. I that she was, was not a shrinking violet. Yes. No. Uh, anyway, uh, Marilyn Katz. Yeah. And uh, that a famous uh, rally wasn't famous at the time, 2002, I want to say. Uh, state Senator Barack Obama ran. Uh, was a state senator at the time, and Marilyn Katz got him to come to the rally. He spoke in opposition uh, to that particular war, and I stand to this day. That's the reason, I believe, uh, he eventually became president, one of the main reasons, because it enabled, it broke him, it distinguished him from Hillary Clinton for lefties in Iowa who participated in the Iowa caucus. And once Barack Obama won Iowa... Well, you know, Joanna, you were following stuff then. It was, it was just a movement. Uh, so shout out, Marilyn uh, Katz. All right. We'll close with Bulls Talk. And uh, so last night, I'm going to reveal something. 
So um, everybody knows I love the Bulls, my beloved Bulls, um, part of a season ticket package through thick and thin, very loyal. Uh, They're absolutely awful this year. They were just terrible. They were losing so many games, blown out. The game against Boston was an embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment. Uh, But nonetheless, I had tickets to last night's game against Milwaukee. Uh, So I went with my buddy Norm. Shout out, Norm. And uh, so Milwaukee is one of the best teams in the league. Everybody expected the Bulls to win by 30. At some point, I got a text from Joanna about today's show. I was at the Bulls game. Uh, and I said, I can't talk because I'm at the Bulls game. Uh, to which she responded, poor you, or some stuff. <laughs> Unfortunate for you. An hour later, I'm getting texts from Joanna. Oh, my God, AC. Because <laughs> fair to me. It was a reasonable assumption that it was going to be a, another blowout garbage basketball game like the rest of the season's been. But we had a nice morale boost last night. Yes, should we be intentionally tanking right now as a team? Yes. But once in a while, you need a good win just for, you know, morale reasons. And I feel like that's what that was. Oh, my God. I needed it. You needed it. The city needed it. I think that the young guys on that team who are probably demoralized and frustrated, who really got a chance to play and play well and play together and actually move the ball. Okay, but here's my favorite tweet from yesterday. This is from Danny Parkins. Benny the Bull has made one-handed has made a one-handed backwards half-court shot in six of eleven home games this year. That is legitimately the most impressive thing about this Bull season. No, he, he did it last night as well, and <laughs> and now you get free chicken if he hits it. <laughs> My buddy Norman and I we're getting our chicken. Hey, wait, we're over there. We're getting it. Yeah, he hit, he hit it. It's unbelievable what he did. It's worth the price of admission. That and, like, they have inc- Sugar Hill Gang. All right, I'm not a, a hip-hop fan. I'll pretend to be a hip-hop fan. They were the halftime show, okay? So it was a, just a great night. I mean, Damian Lillard. A great and, game to attend. Yes, yes. And, and, uh, uh, and I'm really happy for Io. We actually got some minutes. He hasn't gotten yeah. any minutes this season. And, you know, great young player. I hope he gets more minutes because we should be, you know, giving him a chance. There's one play where he looks like a soccer goalie out there saving the ball from out of bounds. Do you yes. remember that? Yeah, it was incredible. He saved That's the ball playing. from going out of bounds. Yeah. And, uh, all right. So no talking and dodging in this one, Joanna. Here's the hard question. All right. Uh, last night's game uh, did not feature Zach Levine, who is uh, – pretty much anybody knows even remotely follow uh, Chicago sports is the star player on the bulls, an all-star max player, meaning he gets uh, as pretty much as much money as the collective bargaining agreement will allow him to get. He's getting over $40 million a year. The bulls have invested in him. Uh, It is pretty clear uh, based uh, on comments that he's made that he doesn't want to play for the bulls anymore. And uh, ever since uh, those comments were reported, the Bulls went into a tailspin. They went, they lost seven out of eight games, including the debacle against Boston the other day. He did not play last night because uh, his foot hurts. He did not play. Uh, not coincidentally, or maybe coincidentally, the Bulls had their greatest display of teamwork, hustle, defense, and heart. Probably of all year, but definitely of the last nine games. In your humble opinion, should the Chicago Bulls cut the cord with Zach Levine and no longer play him until they can trade him and then have him leave town wherever he wants to go, probably Los Angeles? In your humble opinion, Joanna Klonsky, should the Bulls bench Zach Levine? Go. First of all, I think he's sort of benched himself. He's he's his foot hurts. Okay, his foot hurts, and it'll probably keep hurting until the December fifteenth deadline on his contract. Um, I think that Zach Levine, who I respect and appreciate for his service to the team these last several years, has become a drag on the team morale. It is clear that he's sort of thrown in the towel. He's done. He doesn't want to play here anymore. He doesn't want to be a part of this team. He's not interested in um, contributing to. Uh, a healthy culture here in the way that you might see from a guy like DeMar DeRozan or Alex Caruso or some of these young guys. And I don't like to see that. I don't think it's helpful. And I think what you saw last night was a chance for some of these young kids to play and shine. 
um, who are not taking for granted that they're here and they're in the NBA and this is their moment. Um, so do I want to say definitively he should not touch the court again as a ball? No. That being said, like, I think we need to let these young guys play. Give them the chance. Let's see. We got some, we, we tapped into something last night. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you in this one. Uh, and whether, listen, that, that collection of players, my, my buddy and I were, we were almost laughing. Like, look at this team. Like Milwaukee Bucks had two of the greatest players in the game, if not of all time. And Giannis, uh, and Damian Lillard on the court and the bulls had like, <laughs> I mean, Alex Caruso, I love him dearly, but was, you know, he's like a, a lifelong, uh, off the bench player, you know, an IO who is completely overlooked, uh, right. and, uh, Tory Craig guys who were overlooked and our bench players are out there hustling and diving for balls. And we're, st- we're hanging in there. So yeah, I, at this stage, I'm like, you know what, if our superstar doesn't want to play for the That's Chicago cool. Bulls, yeah. then let them go play for the Lakers. But last night, they looked like the team of two seasons ago who was, had heart and was ready to fight for it and was moving the ball. And, you know, it, it was a measurable difference. It was, yeah. it was a palpable difference. And so, you know, I think it's, we've got to at least take note. All right. Very good. Uh, talk about playing with heart. Joanna Klonsky stepped up her game. Alex Crusoe, like getting through this uh, conversation with only like three pauses to hack away with her COVID. So thank you very much, Joanne. She tried to get out of this interview so many which ways, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> but I wouldn't let her. So uh, thank you very much, Joanne. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. All right. That's Joanna Klonsky. Go Bulls. Yes, indeed. Also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. And I think Joanna Klonsky and Zach Levine and Ed Burke, all three of them would agree. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, get columns from Ben Jarofsky, check out columns from other reader writers that you know and some that you don't. They're all at chicagoreader.com. If you want to follow Ben on Instagram, it's at Benny J Show. And don't forget, it's it's really important to me because, you know, it's my job. Like and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platform.